Friends, as we look back over the long landscape of American popular culture, there have been many famous duos that have been forever ingrained into our consciousness. Now, of course, family, when I talk about a duo, I'm talking about two people, two people whose lives and experiences are so intertwined that you can't mention one without mentioning the other. Well, who are some of the most famous duos in popular American history? Well, we could surely start with some classics like Fred and Barney, Lucy and Ricky, Bert and Ernie, Laurel and Hardy, Tom and Jerry, Abbott and Costello, Batman and Robin. But you know, family, even as we progress up into the modern era, the duos continue. How many people today are so familiar with the names Simon and Garfunkel, Brooks and Dunn, Penn and Teller, or even as recently as 2015, Diamond and Silk, those two African-American political commentators. Now, friends, for those of us who love and appreciate the Bible, it's interesting to note, friends, that there are just as many famous duos in the pages of God's Word. We think of Adam and Eve, Cain and Abel, Moses and Aaron, Samson and Delilah, Joseph and Mary, Priscilla and Aquila, James and John, as well as the two sisters that we're going to meet this morning in Luke chapter 10, Mary and Martha. So friends, I want you to take your Bible and join me here in Luke chapter 10. In this message for today that I've entitled, Devotion Over Distraction. Now family, just before we start to dig deeply into this amazing encounter, this face-to-face that Jesus had with these two sisters, we need to take just a moment here to, to understand the context. Back in, now this morning, we're going to be in Luke 10, but previously in Luke chapter 9, in verse 51, Luke records a very important verse for us. This is a verse that shows a real shift, a shift taking place in the public ministry of Jesus. Now, if you can flip back there if you'd like, Luke 9.51 says this, When the days drew near for Jesus to be taken up, he set his face to go to Jerusalem. Now, that's an important verse. That's a real change point in the Gospel of Luke because Luke shows us from that moment forward, Jesus is now truly in what we would describe as traveling mode. Jesus is from that verse onward in traveling mode. He's still teaching. He's still doing miracles. He's still doing ministry. But he has a very fixed focus on on reaching Jerusalem and, and ultimately completing his redemptive mission there at the cross. Well, family, that brings us then to our text this morning over in Luke 10. Luke 10, verses 38 to 42, where Jesus and his entourage of disciples arrive at a small village of Bethany. Bethany is just on the eastern slope of the Mount of Olives. It's only about two miles from Jerusalem. And friends, this is such a great text that you and I are going to study this morning. And it's great for three reasons. First of all, this is such a wonderful text for us to study It's so unique and special because Luke, Luke is the only gospel writer that records this particular event between Jesus and the two sisters. Secondly, family, this is such a great text to study because in this text, this is one of the very rare times that we see Jesus Christ engaged in what we might call family life. 
family life as he's around the table with this little family that he knew and loved so much. But friends, most importantly, the third reason why this text is so critical, so helpful for us, is because of the great truths that it holds out to you and me regarding Christian discipleship. Christian discipleship. If you and I truly want to be effective followers of Jesus Christ in our present day, well, this text is just chock full of some profound insights that can help us be more devoted disciples. Well, let's read this text here. It's in Luke chapter 10. It's a short paragraph in verses 38 to 40. So you please follow along in your copy of God's Word as I read Luke 10, beginning in verse 38. Here's what Scripture says. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village. And a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. She went up to Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Christian friends, as we step through this text this morning, we're right here. You and I are here this morning in Mary and Martha's home in Luke 10. What are some of the profound insights that we can uncover here as it relates to a vibrant, living discipleship. Well, friends, I want us to look today at three key insights, three key insights that are revealed here for our Christian lives today. So if you're taking some notes, I want you to see this first one. Number one, Jesus welcomes women to be devoted disciples. Here's number one if you're taking notes. Jesus welcomes women to become devoted disciples. Now, friends, as this narrative opens in verse 38, Luke uses a little phrase here uh, that he writes often. This phrase shows up a lot in Luke's gospel, now as they went on their way. Now, that's Luke's little phrase that's helping us understand the travel theme, this fact that Jesus is traveling, he's moving, he's on his way, he has this goal to reach Jerusalem. Now, in the text we just read, Luke does not explicitly mention the name of the village, which is Bethany, but it doesn't take much biblical detective work to figure out that Bethany was the village here uh, where Jesus entered. We go over to John chapter 11, John chapter 12, Bethany is mentioned two times there by name. This was a smaller village. It was just over the hill of the Mount of Olives. It was only two miles or so, give or take, from Jerusalem. Now, this is an important family. When Jesus comes and enters the village, notice there what Luke writes, that Jesus entered the village. But it's important for us to understand that in all probability, Jesus' whole entourage of disciples were with him. So it wasn't just Jesus coming alone. Notice what Luke writes there, now as they went on their way. The word they is plural. So it's not just Jesus coming into the home of Martha and Mary. It is his whole group, his whole group of disciples. And that's an important fact that you need to hold on to because that's going to have an impact on the way that this story unfolds later on. But friends, what we really need to highlight here is what we read in verse 39. 
Notice verse 39, Luke records there that the younger sister, Mary, immediately positions herself at Jesus' feet. She's there listening, she's learning, and she's hearing all the teaching that Jesus is giving. In other words, family, what we're seeing here as we read this account is we are watching as Mary is behaving like a devoted disciple. Here is a woman behaving as a devoted disciple, and friends, that is amazing. You see, back in Bible times, women were loved, women were appreciated. But in Bible times, women did not possess the same esteem or the same equality that women have in the modern day. See, back in ancient times, women were often treated in that culture like second-tier citizens. There was their husbands, they were at the top of the ladder, then you had the kids at the bottom of the ladder, but the women were only just slightly a few ticks above the children. Girls were expected to be homemakers, they were expected to get married and raise families, they were expected to be family builders. So while young girls were typically taught at home about the Old Testament scriptures, Women in that era, young girls, did not typically get formal education like young boys did. And friends, this kind of perspective uh, carried on into adulthood, as even rabbis, uh, Jewish rabbis, would reject women from allowing them to become their disciple. But friends, did you notice Jesus? Did you notice how Jesus acts? Jesus did not turn Mary away when she immediately takes this position at his feet, giving himself to his teaching, listening in so intently, and Jesus doesn't rebuke her. He doesn't send her away. Instead, we see in the text, he welcomes this. So this is a great little picture here about the person of Jesus, that Jesus did not cling or hold to a lot of those old prejudices those old perspectives. Jesus did not share them. Instead, Jesus really understood that women were made in God's image, and women were very precious. Women, too, were, were in need of His teaching, His grace, His forgiveness. And Jesus understood that women, too, could make valuable contributions to His cause. You know, family, it really is fascinating. If you were to take the time and do a study of the Gospels, you will see an amazing number of women who are involved in the life and ministry of Jesus. It's astounding. It's astounding to see the number of women who make such a tremendous impact for the life and ministry of Christ. Here in Luke chapter 10, of course, we're introduced to uh, Mary and Martha. If you went back a few pages to Luke chapter 8, there you read about Mary Magdalene. Joanna, Susanna, Matthew 27 mentions Mary, the mother of James the Younger. Matthew 27 also mentions Salome. She was the wife of Zebedee. She was the mother of James and John. There were so many women in the Gospels who were so devoted as followers to the Lord Jesus. These women, they loved Jesus. They, they supported him. They provided for his meals and his housing. They supported him financially. They gave all kinds of encouragement to Jesus. They were constantly showering Jesus 
with their love. And friends, there's no denying this. There's no getting around this. When you look at the person of Christ in the Gospels, when you see his love toward women, his respect of women, his treatment of women, his willingness to allow women to be devoted disciples of his, friends, listen, Jesus was revolutionary. Jesus was truly revolutionary in the way he treated and respected and lifted up women to follow behind him. And you know what? That welcome spirit towards women, that attitude towards women, only continued with the launch of the church. As we see the gospel starting to go out and spread and the church is launched and the church is growing, we see how women are continually making an impact and being useful to Christ. And we see the value of women in the Christian faith. In fact, Paul goes on to write in Galatians chapter 3, this, this very important verse is in your notes this morning. Galatians 3, verse 28, the Apostle Paul writes, There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. So believers, let this be a powerful reminder to all of us that, that Jesus welcomes all people to become his disciples. Jesus welcomes all people to become his disciples, but especially women especially women, to follow after him as passionate, devoted servants. Not just men make a contribution to the cause of Christ, but women too. Women have things to offer, special things that only they can do. Of course, the Bible teaches us that women have spiritual gifts. Women have their own unique talents and abilities. Women have all kinds of unique traits that God has given specifically to women, and those traits can be unleashed for the cause of Christ. You know, friends, I'm going to speak real honest here with you this morning. As I look back over 20 years of ministry at this local church, I can tell you honestly, I praise God for the way He has used women in this local congregation. God has used so many good and faithful women in this congregation. And without those women, this congregation would have collapsed decades ago. Friends, let me tell you the truth. Women have directed our Sunday school. Women have overseen our nursery program. Women have led our Christian character club. Women have supervised hundreds upon hundreds of fellowship meals, banquets, gatherings, outreach. Women have been our treasurers. Women have overseen our church finances, paid our church bills. Women have been our administrative assistants. They've been our secretaries. Women have taught our children. They have led Bible studies. They've prayed with the sick. They've blessed people with cards and meals coming out of hospitals. So I just want to say to all the women, all the young girls, who are listening today, I want to say to all the young women listening today, I want to say to all the young moms, I want to say to the middle-aged ladies, and I want to say to even the senior saints ladies, ladies, you matter to Jesus. You matter to Jesus. And He not only welcomes you, He invites you to serve Him well and to use who you are, your gifts and your abilities, to be a devoted disciple and to make your contribution to the kingdom of Jesus Christ. Well, family, let's move on, okay? This is such a great text. It, it's just profound, the amount of discipleship realities that are here for us. So here's a second truth that Jesus gives us here regarding Christian discipleship. Number two, number two, Jesus warns disciples 
against the dangers of distraction. Jesus warns disciples against the dangers of distraction. And we see this in verses 40 and 41. Now, friends, those of you who have siblings, you know from experience the vast differences that can exist between brothers and sisters when it comes to personality, when it comes to passions, when it comes to perspectives. My younger brother and I, there's just two of us, my younger brother, Wes, I'm the oldest, he's the youngest, we're three years apart. But we could not be more different when it comes to uh, our personalities and who we are as people. Isn't that fascinating? Don't, isn't it the same with so many of you? As you look at who you are, those of you who have siblings, and you look across your own blood family, and you say, wow, look at the differences between me and my siblings. It's fascinating. Two children, two children can be raised in the same home, eat the same food, go to the same schools, have the same upbringing, and be so vastly different one from another. And you know what, friends? Listen, that is very true here in Luke 10 when we meet Martha and Mary. These two sisters could not be more different. Look, when we read here in the text, we meet Mary. We discover about Mary, she is quiet. She's soft-spoken. She's, she wants to uh, be in the shadows. She's a thinker. She thinks deeply. She feels deeply. But she doesn't say much. She's content to just kind of stay in the shadows that are cast from her older sister, Martha. And so let's look at Martha here. Martha couldn't be more different. When we study the various gospel accounts where we meet Martha, we see she's more of a, a leader. She's a doer. She's got that type A personality. She's active. She's a go-getter. She gets things done. She has a list. The list gets done. She feels strongly. And she's impulsive. She feels strongly, and she's not afraid to speak strongly when she feels something. Now, friends, just based on those facts alone, let, let's just take a little encouragement from that for us today. Just as we talk about the differing personalities of these two women, let that be a great encouragement for, for us today, friends, that there isn't... Are you listening? There isn't some perfect personality type that you have to fit into in order to serve Jesus Christ. These women were vastly different. They couldn't be more different. And guess what? Jesus loved them both. Jesus loved both of them. They were precious friends of His. He loved them both. He valued both of these women. So, Christian friend, can that just be a great encouragement for you today? For you to be encouraged about who you are and the way God made you. You are uniquely you. And you don't have to be or act, act or talk or think like that other Christian. God has wired you uniquely to be you. And so you can be you. Whatever your unique personality type may be, whatever your strengths or weaknesses are, you can be you. And Jesus wants you to be you to serve Him. Well, we've taken a look here just quickly at the personalities of these two ladies, but let's see what happens. All right, We had to talk about the personalities a little bit because that helps us understand what happens here. Let's see what happens with Martha. She's the older sister. 
She's more outspoken. She's a leader. She's a type A. She gets things done. What happens in verse 40? Look at it. Scripture says Mary has taken the position like a devoted disciple. She's there at Jesus' feet. She's sitting. She's listening. She's hearing. She's absorbing. But Scripture says Martha is distracted with much serving. Now, friends, when I read this about Martha being distracted with much serving, I can't help but think of all of the tremendous pressures and the weights that come down on mothers and grandmothers during Thanksgiving Day. Have you ever thought about it? Who, who is the person who least enjoys Thanksgiving? It's your mom. It's your grandmom. They're the ones who actually enjoy it the least because they're the ones doing the most work. If you were, if your mom was like my mom, like my grandmom, they were in the kitchen and they are sweating through their clothes because it's so hot in there and they're cooking the turkey and all the food and all the things that they're stressing about, right? And ladies, you know this. You're worrying. You're so uh, uptight. You're worrying about the appetizers. What about the appetizers? What about the salad? And what about the bread? And what about the turkey, the vegetables, the potatoes, the other side dishes, and the drinks, and the desserts? And what about the place settings? And what about the table decorations? And how does everything look? And everything clean? Have the bathrooms been cleaned? And you're just going, you're just stressed out on the weight of this thing. That's where Martha was. The weight of this, trying to pull off a, a special meal for Jesus and his disciples. Look, count it up, do the math. Martha is putting on a meal here for 16 people. 16 people. Jesus, the 12 disciples, and the three of them in the home. Mary, Martha, and their brother, whose name was Lazarus. So you've got 16 people. She's stressing out of this huge meal and all the pressures to get this thing right and to make it all worse. Her sister is sitting there at the feet of Jesus, not helping him, not giving any assistance at all. Well, what do you think happens to Martha? The type A, the doer, get it done, kind of impulsive, feels strong, ah, speaks strong. So the pressure builds the stress of it all is too much, and Martha snaps. She snapped. She's exasperated. She's stressed out. And now she's angry. And because she's not afraid to say something, that's exactly what she did. It's interesting, family, how the way Bible versions get translated sometimes. Verse 40 of the ESV says that Martha, quote, went up to him. That's Jesus is the hymn. She went up to him. That's the Bible translation there. But the original verb that Luke uses there is much more aggressive. It's the idea of she burst upon him. She burst in on him. It's aggressive. She comes on him. It's This is like an explosive outburst at Jesus. And notice, did you see this? Not only is Martha mad at her sister for not helping, she's just as mad at Jesus because he's allowing it. You can just hear the reproach. You can just hear the anger in her voice. She says, Jesus, don't you care? Don't you even care that my sister has bailed on me? She was supposed to help me, and now I'm stuck. I'm doing all these preparations for 16 people. You all rolled in here. 
This meal is huge, and I'm doing it all alone. Don't you think, Jesus, you could step in here and say something and at least ask her to pitch in to help me? It's an outburst. So how does Jesus respond? Verse 41, well, he doesn't return fire. He doesn't return fire with fire, but he does speak tenderly, yet directly to Martha. He reveals to her that all of her excessive preparations has gone too far. These preparations have, have gone so far that they have now become a distraction to her. She is so absorbed with all of the elaborate details of putting on this meal, she is distracted from what is truly important. Jesus wants Martha to understand. Martha, food, food is good, and hospitality is good, but you've gone overboard. You're distracted. You're being distracted from what is most important. And friends, there is such a powerful application right there for you and for me. It's right here, right now, friends. What a great reminder this is for you and me, Christians. It is very possible. It is so possible to get absorbed by the things of this world and even good things. It is possible to get absorbed by good things to the point where you are being drawn away and you're being distracted from the best things that relate to Jesus Christ and your spiritual life. Look, is there something wrong? Is there anything wrong with putting your best efforts into a job? Is, it, is there something wrong with giving your energies to, to raising your kids and taking care of your household affairs and, or, or engaging in your hobbies or, or taking care of your daily responsibilities? Is there anything wrong with any of that? Well, of course not. Nothing wrong with that. Nothing sinful with any of those things. But listen, Christian, listen. Something terrible happens. Something terrible happens in us when we allow those good things, lawful things, to draw us away, to distract us from the best things, our relationship with Jesus and the development of our spiritual life. Look in your notes. I gave you a great quote there from J.C. Ryle, who was a pastor in England many years ago, but Ryle was a great writer and a great Christian uh, thinker, and he wrote these words, quote, Our families, our business, our daily callings, our household affairs, our intercourse with society, all, he writes, all may become snares to our hearts and may draw us away from God. So let me ask you this morning, Christian friend, what is it? What good thing have you been allowing to distract you and draw you away from developing your relationship with Christ? Is it your job? Are, are you so constantly fussing about your job, your work, your employer, your boss, all the tasks and all the responsibilities of Monday through Friday? Is that it? Or is it your family? Is it your family, your relatives, your kids, your grandkids? Uh, is it maybe your in-laws? Is it your in-laws? You're constantly having to fuss around with them and their needs. Is it your own parents? Your own parents. Maybe it's your health. 
Maybe it's your food. Maybe it's your trips to the gym. Maybe it's your exercise regimen. For some of you, it might be your hobbies, the things you enjoy doing, your favorite activities. Maybe it's your music. Maybe it's your sports. Uh, maybe it's your iPad. Maybe it's your phone. Maybe it's your Kindle. Friend, there, listen, there are so many good things, right? So many good things out in the world. But you have to be careful, believer, because you have to understand as a Christian, even the good things can draw you away. They can distract you from the most important things, namely your relationship with Jesus Christ and what it means to grow spiritually in Him. Look in your notes, I gave you Colossians chapter 3, where Paul writes in verse 1, If then you, speaking to believers, if then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things that are above, not on things on the earth. I love what the psalmist wrote there in Psalm 119, verse 37. The psalmist writes, Turn my eyes. Turn my eyes from looking at worthless things and give me life in your ways. You know, perhaps you're listening today and you're not a Christian. And maybe you're, maybe you're that person who hasn't given even one thought to Jesus. You haven't given a single thought to Christ or spiritual things or eternal things. And it may be for you, friend, that your whole existence is just wrapped up in the here and now. Your whole existence is just wrapped up in money, your job and your car and life and just, just enjoying your own personal happiness. Well, friend, I want to speak to you for just a moment. Jesus said something that is so profound in Matthew 16. Jesus said this, What will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? You see, friend, listen, if you're not thinking about eternal things, if you're not thinking about spiritual things, if you're not thinking about what's in store for your destiny and for your soul, oh friend, you better start thinking now before it's too late. What a shame, Jesus says. What a shame it would be for you to gain the world. You, oh, great. Congratulations. Congratulations. You gained the world. You got everything that the world hopes and dreams for, and congratulations, you got it. But by the way, you lost your soul for eternity. Friend, the Bible says all of us are sinners. All of us are broken. We've broken God's commands, and our only hope is to look to Christ. We must come to Jesus Christ. We must repent of our sins. We must look to Christ as the only Savior. He's the only one who can forgive us and give us what matters most, a relationship with God that, that begins now and continues on into eternity. Friend, if you have never come to faith in Christ, I pray today's the day. I pray today's the day that you would turn from your sins and turn by faith to Jesus Christ and believe on Him as your Savior. Friend, don't be so distracted. Don't be so distracted by the things of this world that you miss out on what is needed most. And what is needed most is the relationship with Jesus Christ. Because only through Christ is the forgiveness of sins and true life and salvation that begins now 
and continues into eternity. Friend, if you have questions about that, maybe you'd like to talk to someone about that. Maybe you have questions about what it means to believe on Christ. Well, friend, you come and talk to me. Reach out to me after the service today. Let's talk. Let's pray together. Let's answer your questions. Let's show you what it means to become a follower of Christ. Well, friends, we're studying this text here this morning, family, and it is more than just a meal. This is more than just a meal between friends. It's Jesus revealing revealing here profound truths on being a disciple. Well, we've seen so far, Jesus welcomes women as as devoted disciples in Jesus. Number two, he, he warns disciples against the dangers of distraction. But now thirdly, number three, Jesus wants disciples to prioritize devotion over service. Number three, Jesus wants disciples to prioritize devotion over service. We see that in verse 42. Now, family, we step through this paragraph here. It's, it's interesting to note Jesus is unleashing great truth here, great help on discipleship. And his first response, the first thing Jesus says, the first thing he reveals is negative because it's a warning. It's negative. It's a warning against distraction. But now the second half of what Jesus says, the second half of his response is positive. Look at verse 42. Jesus continues. He says, but, but one thing is necessary. But one thing is necessary. Now, family, unfortunately, down through the years, there have been some some unfortunate Bible interpreters who have mistakenly concluded that what Jesus was referring here was one dish of food. Some people think that, that Jesus is telling Martha that her big mistake was, you made too much food, and you just messed up. You could have just made one dish of food, and that would have been sufficient. Just one thing, one dish would have been enough food. But friends, listen, that interpretation doesn't fit. It doesn't fit with the greater spiritual message that Jesus is trying to emphasize here. So let's make sure we understand. Jesus isn't critical of Martha for making too many dishes of food. What Jesus is trying to communicate here to Martha is that there is a proper order of priorities. There's a proper order of priorities. Spiritual things take precedent over physical things. Spiritual things take precedent over physical things. And that's why Jesus praises Mary's decision. He says in verse 42 that she chose the good portion. Mary got it right. She chose spiritual as the priority over the physical. She was there devoting herself to hearing Jesus teach. She was listening and she was enjoying close communion with Jesus And so what we're learning here, friends, is meals are good. Hospitality is good. Doing your best in those things is good. But what's better is time with Jesus. What's better is time with Jesus. That is the real priority for the disciples' life. So, friends, let's make a great application here. Let's make a really relevant application, Christian, for your life and for mine right here. Look, we may not even realize it, But as Christians, it is very possible for you and I to be doing things for Jesus when we're actually neglecting time spent with Jesus. Did you hear that? Did you hear what I said there? It is very possible for you, Christian, to spend your time doing things for Jesus 
yet you are neglecting time spent with Jesus. You see, the principle here that we're learning is being comes before doing. Being with Jesus is in front of doing for Jesus. Look in your notes. I gave you a great quote from Dr. Warren Wearsby. Wearsby wrote this, Few things are as damaging to the Christian life as trying to work for Christ without taking time to commune with Christ. The key is the right priorities. It's vitally important that we spend time at the feet of Jesus every single day, letting Him share His Word with us. Unless we meet Christ personally and privately every day, we will soon end up like Martha. Listen, listen to this. Underline this. We will end up like Martha, busy but not blessed. Do you hear that? Busy but not blessed. Christian friend, I want you to stop and ask yourself today, am I spending regular time with Jesus? Am I spending regular time with Jesus? Am I really prioritizing being overdoing? Am I giving daily time to prayer? Am I giving daily time to some Bible reading? Am I meeting with Jesus? Jesus says that's the good portion. That's what will never be taken away from you. Listen, believer. Listen to me right now. What I'm going to say right now is so important. You need to hear this. Listen to me. One day soon, your house is going to be someone else's house. Are you listening? One day soon, somebody else is going to have your job. Somebody else is going to sit at your desk, look out your window. One day soon, your car is going to be rusting away in a junkyard. And all your clothes are going to be off somewhere at the goodwill. And all of your possessions, all the precious treasures that you have all around you in your home, they will be gone. They will be in the junk pile. They will be off in someone else's house. And all your money, all the money that you hold so dear will be someone else's. It will be in someone else's account. Your computer will be gone. Your iPad will be gone. Your phone, computer, tablet, it will all be in a landfill. Listen to me. One day soon, not long from now, all will be taken from you. Not some. All. It's all. It's all. It's all going to be taken away from you. Except for one thing, and that is your relationship with Jesus Christ. Friend, that famous poem that we heard so often as children, we need to hear that poem again. And we need to learn how to apply it to our Christian lives. You remember this poem? Good, better, best. Never let it rest until your good is better and your better is best. You see, friends, life presents us with so many things, so many good things, so many good things. But the best, the best thing is to grow in our relationship with Jesus. That is the one thing, the one thing that Jesus says will never be taken from you. Or friends, if we could try to say it in a more memorable way, maybe we could just put this simple sentence this simple sentence, could we stamp it on our brains? Here's this simple sentence. 
Spiritual concerns should always be my first concern. Spiritual concerns should always be my first concern. Well, family, as we draw to a close, I hope you'll come away from this face-to-face encounter with some profound principles on vital discipleship. When we listen to Jesus interact with these two special sisters, we need to take these insights, we need to embrace them, and we need to immediately start to live them out in our Christian lives. So believer, listen, as you seek to do that, Christian, how will you live differently this week because of what you've heard this morning in the Word of God? How will you live differently this week based on what you've heard this morning? Whether you're a man or a woman or a young person, do you see yourself as a devoted disciple of Jesus? Are you engaging your gifts, your abilities, your your unique personality? Are you fully engaged for the cause of Christ? How about secondly, will you steer clear of the distractions this week? Not allowing your job and your money or your family or your hobbies, not allowing those things to hijack your heart, draw you away from Christ. And then thirdly, will you keep your priorities straight this week? This next week, will you make it your aim to spend time with Jesus? Will you meet Jesus this week in prayer and in His Word? Will you view time spent with Jesus as the best portion on your plate? Christian friend, if you really want to choose devotion over distraction, then you need to take these profound truths from Luke 10 and take them to heart and ask Jesus to help you live what you've learned. Thanks for listening. This Preaching for a Change broadcast has been brought to you by the Grace Baptist Church of Hazleton, Pennsylvania. For more information, visit us online at mygracebaptist.church. If you enjoyed this broadcast, then share it with a friend on your favorite social media network. And be sure to join us next time for more enlightening and encouraging biblical exposition here on Preaching for a Change.